Are you bitches conspiring against me? Her paranoia is rampant. Every time she walks in the room, the first sentence out of her mouth is, are you guys conspiring against me? Are you conspiring against me? Are you bitches 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 conspiring against me? Are Either. You're a designer. Yeah, artist, designer. My artist bio that I use for everything is Klee McCracken is a multidisciplinary artist in Chicago. All their work is about clocks. There you go. That's like all I use. <laughs> well, I like that. <laughs> it's very concise. How long have you... How long has that been your artist bio? <laughs> um, at least a couple years. Yeah. I like hate writing artist statements or yeah. anything like that, so... Same. I detest LinkedIn writing culture, trying to like use the right buzzword to signal that you're in a certain industry, but not using like the try hard buzzwords that make you look like a dipshit, but like it's all these secret rules that no one is honest about. Yeah, it, it's so crazy. It infuriates me. I've been applying for jobs and I actually just hired a resume writer. Because I feel like if I get an interview, like, I'm charming, I'm skilled, like, it's fine, you know? Yeah. Like, I can get the job, I can do the job. Yeah. I just, like, can't get interviews. I just submit applications into the void, and then I don't hear anything. Yeah. It's worth a try. It's honestly less of a pain in my ass to pay somebody a couple hundred dollars and cross my fingers than it is to spend hours submitting applications and bang my head against a wall. Like, I would rather let somebody that claims to be an expert yeah help me out totally good luck i have been applying to stuff it's stressful for sure yeah i'm also working the shittiest temp job so i like need to go oh no is uh, that what you did today yeah it's just like kind of evil <laughs> the the people i'm working with are just like i don't know they're fine they're not evil to me but the whole thing is evil the concept yeah damn but whatever i don't want to talk about <laughs> yeah, no, me neither. Okay, so depending on how the conversation goes, I have a couple like tangents that I'll weave in either about flat earther stuff, <laughs> which I think is really fun. Yeah. Thinking about units of measurement of time, the history of man-made units of measurement, like a week as opposed to a day, which is a day is about the sun, but a week is about, depending on how you look at it, about religion or the market. And that's sort of like a rabbit hole. And then... The other thing I could tangentially bring in is time as the fourth dimension, our ability to perceive time as like a linear thing. Did you have any questions about anything I just said before we officially get started? No, that seems good. As for daylight savings, I feel like you probably know more than me. Yeah, I, I know a fair amount about daylight savings time. Good. <laughs> That's exactly what I want to hear. It's kind of crazy. I don't know. Yeah, it is crazy. It's this weekend. It's Sunday at 2 a.m. We go from 1.59 to 3. Is that right? Yes, we're springing forward. We're losing an hour this time. 
And this is the beginning of daylight savings, not the end of daylight savings. Yes, that's something that I always get mixed up. But yes, I think summer is daylight saving time. Yes. And the winter is back to normal time. Back to normal time. Yeah, I get this confused. And I know the general public gets this confused because when people say they want to abolish daylight savings, they say it when we're going back to normal, my timeline at least, they're upset that it's all of a sudden getting so dark at 4 p.m. right when that fall back change happens. And so in their brains, like if we abolish daylight savings time, that's what we would be doing away with is the like it getting dark so early. Right. But, but actually that's that's normal. <laughs> yeah. That's the regular time. And if we were to really give them what they wanted, we would be making daylight savings time a permanent reality. Yeah. I think that's what a lot of proposals are for is to just make it permanent. Yes. Which is kind of crazy because it would shift the world time zone, sort of. It would be an endeavor. Yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense. It kind of all depends on what you do for work, though, you know? It matters to, like, people who work nine to fives, but if you work, like, a job with different hours, then it kind of doesn't matter at all. If you just adhere to God's time, meaning, you know, the sunrise. Right. Then, uh... Like, you're not actually gaining or losing anything, you're just moving the daylight before or after a nine to five job. Right, that's pretty much how I think about it. The value is either waking up to sunlight, commuting in sunlight, or clocking out to sunlight and having the option for some leisure time. But there's nothing you can do to make winter less (laughs) like dark. It's gonna still be dark and summer's still gonna be sunny. And the further north you are, the more extreme that disparity becomes, uh, is my understanding. Definitely. Even just coming from like Mississippi to Chicago, or when I went to like Paris, I could notice, oh my God, the sunset is so late in the summer. Or in the winter, it's insane how dark it constantly is around me. So I'm, I'm kind of okay with daylight savings. Yeah. It's a nice reminder that everything's fake. Totally. People say that it, like, it was supposed to save energy, but it doesn't. Okay, I read it. I heard about this. <laughs> Sorry, there's a lot of things to, to talk about. I don't want to, like... Let's see. start there. Yeah. So it, it doesn't save energy. It started as, like, a, a wartime effort. Germany did it first, and then the United States. Right. Someone came up with it before that, but mm-hmm. it was first adopted widely for World War II or one. I don't remember. I think it was World War One. Like, they probably took it away during peacetime and then brought it back for World War II. Yeah. And in World War II, there was a period of time where 1942 to 1945, it was three years straight of wartime or daylight saving time. We just stuck with it until this is where I get really fuzzy because there's a lot of discussion over whether the farmers were upset or not, or if the farmers are totally not related at all. So I'm going to let you hop in. Is the, are farmers involved in this or is it really just about war? <laughs> it's mostly about war. Farmers were opposed to it originally from what I understand. Um, I think so. Because if you're 
a farmer, your stuff is like based on nature and mm -hmm. like animals. It doesn't matter what time the clock says. I, one of the examples that they always talk about is dairy farmers. The cows get used to being milked at a certain time. Mm -hmm. And to switch all of the cows time when they're being milked to match the clock time for daylight savings time is actually really difficult. And it messes up when you bring your milk to market, you know, like it, it right. really like messed them up to yes. follow daylight savings time because the cows want to be milked when they want to be milked they don't care what the clock says like they have like an internal yes. clock and a routine and it's really hard to get them to switch for like six months and then go back yeah it doesn't it doesn't make any sense like, like why would they acknowledge farmers this? farmers don't care or like yeah. they don't care or they're like against it i think I think so. Well, farmers are in a unique position where they are, you know, following God's time, but also involved with the market on the other hand. Their job is to meet those two together, working with the land, but also supplying to the market. And it's, it's probably different now. Farmers don't really exist in the same way anymore. Yeah. I would guess farmers now also don't really care about the other things. <laughs> probably not at all, yeah. But I like thinking about what units of time animals acknowledge. Totally. Yeah, animals have pretty good senses of time, actually. They have pretty good circadian rhythms. They did some like experience with honeybees where they trained them to look for food at a certain time. And then they flew them from Europe to America to see how they would respond to the change in timing to see like if their sense of time was like internal or it was based on the sun and it was internal like the bees got jet lagged wow basically because they have like a really strong internal sense of time regardless of light or oh my god no i follow what you're saying it's not just about the sensory stimulation yeah. of sunlight it's about their internal rhythm right totally damn yeah it's kind of cool yeah, they're better than me. I, I used to be so good about habits, but recently I've really been off. Like mm -hmm. today, I was texting you this morning. I was at my office like three hours. Yeah, why were you at the office three hours early? <laughs> I woke up at like 4 a.m. and was just on. What did you do at the office? Were you working? I went to the office, and this is a neuroticism I should be embarrassed to admit. I used the office as a place to get steps in in mm. the winter. So our office has six floors in the building or something. So every day that I go into the office, I walk around each floor like it's my own personal track to like do laps like have whatever in my airpods today yeah, yeah. i was listening to flat earther uh, theories and was alone something about it was really nice like i mean obviously a normal person worried about fitness would go to a gym to accomplish this but i get more satisfaction out of yeah i mean it's the space that's available you know yeah. you don't have to go somewhere else you're already there yep and I also have these like stickers that I've been trying to put everywhere. I'll go grab them. And also like, I'm gonna warn you right now, this recording will be interrupted in like a couple minutes. Yeah, no, I can, I can give you like a shit, I can give both of y'all a shit time. I'm gonna put them around during my trolley tomorrow. <gasps> I'll give you a stack. Yeah. I'll give you a stack. Um, but yeah, the point, like to tie this back in, uh, <laughs> my sleep schedule has been crazy. It's actually working out really well because I am going to 
a St. Patty's Day parade related event that starts at like 9 a.m. That's so, tomorrow morning? Tomorrow morning. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I should be able to fall asleep really early tonight. Yeah. So that way I know tomorrow it'll feel like a totally different time. And that's without the help of like manipulating clocks. That's just my own yeah. deranged habits. I'm so habit. I'm such a habit person. Really? <laughs> I actually, I was working in the farmer's markets last year and I started sleeping with my blinds up so that I would just wake up with the sun and I haven't stopped. So I was reading this book about sundials and I was thinking about how humans are in tune with the sun. Yeah. And then I was started working the farmer's markets and it was like the perfect time to switch my sleep schedule to waking up with the sun. <laughs> That's praxis, baby. That's praxis, yeah. <laughs> I also convinced my roommates to move into this apartment where my bedroom would have a south-facing window so that I could oh, yeah. put a sundial on the ceiling. Like, if you put a mirror on your windowsill, it'll reflect a sunbeam onto the ceiling, and oh. you can trace the movement of the beam on the ceiling as a sundial. Wow. And I, we were, like, moving, and I really pushed my roommates to pick this place so that I could have a room with a south-facing window. It's worth it. I've, I've had a roommate, they didn't talk about sundials, but I think it's good for plants. Yeah, no, it's nice. It's just like nice light. Yeah. Like we live on the third floor. I don't know. Totally. I really like the light. How long have you loved clocks? I decided to start on August 21st, 2014. I was studying opera for my undergrad, and I was planning a senior recital. I wanted a theme, but I didn't want it to be like love or like, yeah. I don't know, something boring. So I was like, oh, what if I do like time? And then it was the summer before senior year, and my mom clipped out this article in the newspaper about this film called The Clock by Christian Markley at The Walker in Minneapolis. So I went with my friend Pau to see this film, and. I basically decided as soon as I left that I was going to try to be obsessed with clocks on purpose. Mm -hmm. And I just started doing it. It was, what was the name of? It's called The Clock. It's by this artist Christian Markley. It's a 24 hour long film and it's a super cut of clips from movies with clocks in the background and he clips out Huh. every shot with a clock and then matches it up to the real time so oh so it's in order yeah so at noon when i got in it was all high noon western scenes and it just goes like that for 24 hours wow so you're coming up on a decade yeah next year will be my 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 10 year anniversary of clocks that's amazing. I started kind of slowly. It took, it took a while to ramp up. Yeah, it seems to start with time and then focus into clocks is, was that a conscious choice? There's a sort of a difference between, you know, time as a concept and clocks as a concept. So was there a reasoning behind that? I think initially I kept it broad on purpose because yeah. I sort of wanted to include both, but I ended up focusing on clocks just because they were like a easily accessible symbol. Right. At first, all I was doing was I used to take a picture of every clock that I saw and I would post it on Instagram yeah. or Snapchat or whatever. I was also like, prior to this, I was sort of interested in obsession and repetition. There's this piece called Vexations by Eric Satie and it's two minutes of music to be repeated 840 times. I, I thought it was so fun and I organized a, a group performance in college of that piece. 
which is not clocks, but it is kind of related. Like I was thinking about the repetition. I was thinking about the repetition and stuff like that. Habitual cueing your own behavior to like capture that moment. I don't know if this uh, resonates with you, but I think like uh, a prompt without any guidelines is the hardest prompt. Yeah. And creative energy can really thrive when it's pushing against framework in a sort of paradoxical way. Definitely. That's like something that I really have loved about choosing clocks yeah. as like a structure is that I can make work about whatever I want yeah. really, but having clocks as like a theme pre-decides a lot of like aesthetic choices for me. It makes it like easier to make decisions when I'm making something rather than, oh, I can make anything. I want to make work about the body that's so vague, but if I'm making work about the body and it's also about clocks, it takes yeah. it to a place that's very specific really quickly. Yeah. It helps me generate a lot of ideas. Yeah, I, I can totally relate to that. I have writer's block when the world's my oyster, but if there's focus in what I'm supposed to be producing, then my wheels start turning a lot more quickly. You want the freedom, but it's better for you to not have it. <laughs> Definitely. And then your creativity comes out when you're fighting for it, but then when you have it, it's not what you want. Yeah. That's also interesting. I hadn't really thought about that, but like something that I really hated about studying opera is how it was too rigid of a structure mm -hmm. for me because as an opera singer, you're trying to execute the composer's vision. You have a lot less room for creativity or like your creativity is very limited and it's something that really drove me crazy that's part of why i started doing clocks like i was pushing against how rigid my education was i i wasn't allowed to do my time themed recital for a grade i spent all this time researching and choosing music and then i was told that it was too avant-garde for opera for a grade i prepared two recitals basically and I scheduled my grade recital at 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning so that no one would attend it. And then I rehearsed and prepared the second recital completely independently without any of my professors and did it like on a Saturday night. What? But I was being very, <laughs> I was being kind of obnoxious. That's, no, I love being rebellious. Yeah, I don't know. They're never gonna forget you. Yeah, they probably won't. I don't know. My voice teacher said something, he said something to my parents after the recital and he was like, this is what you paid for, implying I had like wasted their money or something. Really? Yeah, kind of. Projection. Yeah. I did like way more challenging work for my own recital than the graded one. You pushed yourself. I, I did way more difficult music and rehearsing for the personal one. I can imagine that that was more difficult, but also that that experience has been more valuable to you post-grad. Totally. Some of the worst advice I've ever been given was from college advisors. <laughs> I had one that tried to like get me to quit a job I had at a local newspaper because I wasn't putting enough energy into my thesis. And she maybe was coming from a good place of wanting me to focus on my grades and school, but when it comes to applying to jobs, they don't ask me about my thesis. They ask me about that newspaper job that I had my senior year. The shit that your advisors tell you is important is not the same rubric that the real world. Totally. Ugh, I don't like don't don't even need to <laughs> complain about the job market any more than we already yeah. have. <laughs> <laughs>
So I'm going to ask another question. Uh, do you have a favorite unit of time? Mm. I try not to play favorites. Yeah. Because I feel like all clocks and units of time in, in clock lover world, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's all the best. <laughs> I, I would say I have the most complicated relationship with the week. Mm. It's the least natural. It's something that cows, dogs, cats have no cognizance of what day of the week it is. Right. And like months make more sense. Months, because there are animals that acknowledge moon cycles. Yeah, like months are, they're not exactly tied to the moon, but they're closer to the moon. That seven days is like kind of arbitrary. A day is the earth rotating one full spin. Right. And then a year is the earth orbiting around the sun one full, yeah, one full orbit. Seasons are just breaking the orbit into... Well, and it's when the Earth is, like, tilting True. towards the sun and away from the sun. Because right? there's... Yeah. The summer solstice it's has to do like... with the amount of time that we have sunlight on June 21st, which is... Actually, it's my birthday. The solstice? The solstice. That's really nice. On is that summer. Gemini? Well, it's on the Gemini Cancer cusp. It's really, like, disputed, actually. Lana Del Rey has the same birthday, and she recently sung about being a cancer in her lyrics so then everyone was like that's cancer season i kind of remember her doing that well i follow this account on instagram called not all gemini's it's just one of those very popular astrology instagram accounts and they used to do these big posts for every season like a collage of celebrities that were from each sign and they had always put lana and gemini and when she started to say she was a cancer, it was an event. That Instagram account was having a crisis. I was having a crisis. I've always identified as Gemini. I mean, what time of day were you born? Does that matter? It does matter. It matters what time of day you were born. It matters if it was a leap year. It matters what city you were in. Wait, what year were you born? Uh, 94. Oh, okay. So not a leap year. Not a leap year. Nope. I was born on February 26th in 93, but I'll lie and say that I was born on leap day in 92 because it feels like a more <laughs> fitting birthday <laughs> wait because 92 is leap year yeah it feels like close enough that i can lie about it i also just like love like a celebrity who lies about their birthday like that's so iconic retain some privacy in, in this like rebellious way it's none of your business forever 35 <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i think it's super glamorous to have that mystery preserved despite the age of information. Yeah, and not just to like keep it a secret, but to lie about it and then like obfuscate anyone who wants to find out the truth. (laughs) You know, like not just to like not tell anyone, but to like tell people different things so that it's always in dispute about what it actually is. (laughs) Right. I've always thought with Lana Del Rey, she is saying she's a cancer and that's her truth. But there's a part of me that's like, maybe that's just better for her brand. And how Gemini would it be of her to lie oh my God. <laughs> about being a Cancer for her own brand? Yeah, I think I believe in choosing your own astrology to an extent for the brand. Yeah, me too. The minute that someone tries to tell me that I am not the sign that I think I am, I'm going to be like, astrology is fake. <laughs> because what are you gonna do 
Like, I either I'm going to believe in it on my terms, or it's not real. Absolutely. So, we have 30 minutes. I feel like there's a lot of daylight savings time. Daylight savings time That we can stuff. still cover. Or is it daylight saving time? It's saving, but I feel like it's one of those things where it's savings because that's how I learned it. I'm like, fuck the grammar people. Yeah, there's a time of the year that's adjusted to save daylight or to adjust behavior so that we're taking advantage of the daylight. I know you mentioned energy preservation and that's been disputed as whether or not that's true. I think that there is a difference between how true that was 100 years ago versus now. Definitely. Like, it, it probably was true when they first started doing it. Yeah. But now, all of the studies that they've done about how effective it is for saving energy, it's all super negligible, 0.1% or whatever, and it could go either way. Like, some people calculated as we lose energy, and some people calculated that we save a little bit, but it really is, like, so small. Yeah. Because of our, our habits are just, like, totally different with, like, air conditioning... Our sleep habits are really different. People are staying up all night. People are like leaving things plugged in. Originally it was about how much coal is being burnt, I guess, to what, I don't even know why coal is related. Coal is used to produce electricity, I think. Okay, thank you. So And so the electricity in say the 50s was mainly used for light, among other things. Yeah, the argument that it has to do with energy preservation doesn't really hold up anymore. It doesn't. And then the other stuff I've read is there's more... Or, okay, okay. If if we make it where when people are getting off of work... Wait. Sunset will be an hour... Later. Later. It'll be an hour later. So when I get off of work, there will be more sunlight starting... Yes. ...this weekend. Correct. There will be a spike in strokes, heart attacks, car accidents. What? <laughs> Not a very big one. Like, it's really, truly not huge, but it is, like, measurable. And it's because daylight savings time messes up everyone's circadian rhythms. So if you lose an hour, but you still have to go into the office at 9 a.m. on Monday morning, you're just, like, messed up all day. And it's true on a huge scale. For the cows, too. Yeah, there's also, like... I don't know what I, like, think about office productivity studies, you know what I mean? Like, how are they even measuring? But they, they claim that productivity in offices is really low the day after daylight savings time happens in the spring specifically the fall one is different because you you gain an hour so that yeah people are getting like more sleep so it's less yeah disruptive that's really interesting but the spring one is really disruptive actually well it's like when you have like a 0.1.001 percent change in every single person's performance or mood on the individual level there's other things that are affecting me way more than daylight savings time yeah totally. like my hangover my mariana's not having my prescription ready what i ate this weekend how much i've exercised what text message i got that day all of those things are going to affect me 10 times more if not a hundred times more than daylight saving time. Right. But when you study it on the aggregate macro level... Yeah, it's like everyone having really mild collective psychosis for like one yeah. day. <laughs> yeah. Like it fucks up everyone just a little bit, but because it's every single person is like fucked up a little bit. Yeah. For like 
a day or two. Exactly. And it's very subtle on the individual level, but it, the studies that show big scale, yeah, and, and changing like people's overall health. Yeah. As a result of the way we're playing God over here with, with the clocks. Yeah. So maybe maybe I don't like like saving time. Maybe. Do you know about the corporate stuff? Oh, actually, I think what I've heard is that because we're going to have more sunlight after we're done working, I guess, we're more likely to spend money. Yeah. So as consumers. So there's there's a ton of corporate lobbying around the dates, the daylight savings time happens. I heard there's a golf lobby. Yeah, the golf lobby is big. McDonald's, fast food, because people are more likely to buy fast food dinner on their way home if it's still light out, I guess, is what they think. But the dates used to be different. They, they've been lobbying to make daylight saving time longer and longer to like extend that time frame where people have more daylight after work. But there's also like other corporate lobbies are opposed to it, like entertainment, it generally is really bad for ratings, at least when people were like watching things on TV because they wouldn't tune in on the right time for whatever their show was. So it like tanks ratings afterwards. So entertainment has always been kind of opposed to it, but golf, fast food, 7-Eleven was big, candy, they moved it. It used to be before Halloween, but they pushed it until after. It's changed a couple times. One was in like 2007 and I think there was another one in the 90s. I wish we rioted about this. Like I feel like we should <laughs> and no one even, like when you study history, no one talks about the day that we decided to change. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Like I listened to a Congress hearing about it because I was curious and the, the way that they go like back and forth is so nuts. They're playing all these like what if scenarios. They're like, well, if we move daylight savings time and a nine year old girl is waiting for the bus and she gets hit because it's dark, right? then my constituents will blame me for changing daylight savings time. So we can't change daylight savings time. And they go through like all of these sort of insane hypotheticals. Well, it's like, girl, some girl's getting hit by a bus somewhere no matter what. Yeah. It's just like <laughs> it's just like an insane way to make a decision like that. Because it like it, it it something could happen either way. You know, it like doesn't Yeah, yeah. If if you you can move the darkness to the morning commute or the afternoon commute, someone's gonna hit by a bus. Right. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense. There's a really funny quote from the senators from Idaho sponsored one of them because more Idaho potatoes would be purchased if daylight savings time was extended or whatever. Interesting. Okay, because... Because they're being sold at fast food restaurants. So that, like, it would be good for the state of Idaho... Got it. ...to extend daylight savings time because it would sell more potatoes. Fast food sales go up when we have more daylight, daylight after, work. after work. Yeah. And so Idaho wants to... Yeah. Idaho wants that. daylight after work. Yeah. But the parents want the daylight in the morning. Yeah. I mean, like... I think, personally, I think we should get rid of daylight savings time and everyone should just have a more flexible schedule through the winter, you know? Yeah. That's like, a good point. No matter what, the winter is a time of less resources, less light, and the summer is basically the opposite. And whatever way we manipulate our understanding of when the day starts isn't going to really change that. Like, it would be better if they just said, oh, there's less daylight during the winter, everyone works slightly shorter hours, you know? 
That would be great. That's like what we could actually do. That would make sense. Like people aren't productive for eight hours at work. Like honestly, the studies are pretty conclusive about that. People are productive for like four hours of work and then they just sit there for another four. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. So like, it's so silly that we've based our entire lives around the eight hour work day. Yeah. Or the 40 hour work week. All those things don't really need to be that rigid. No, they don't. Have you ever like celebrated daylight saving time? I guess I I do. I have sort of like a ritual around it for myself. The thing that I like about daylight savings time is it's kind of like a clock holiday. Yeah. Like a holiday about changing clocks, which is kind of ideal for me. So I do yeah, think yeah. that we should get rid of it, but it's like clock awareness day. Yeah. <laughs> Twice a year, which is great. <laughs> Everyone should be thinking about clocks every day. <laughs> and if we got rid of it, we would have to find some other way to make everyone think about, think clock. about a big clock. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the clock lobby in this? The clock <laughs> lobby needs to speak up for daily savings time. <laughs> isn't, isn't that you? Aren't you? I think I am the clock lobby. <laughs> I think that's it. I think I'm it. <laughs> yeah, party of one. Yeah. I've celebrated the spring equinox before. I've always had the sense that daylight savings time exacerbates something that already naturally is happening because in the winter it's getting darker anyway and then all of a sudden when daylight savings time is done it gets darker an hour earlier so every fall people are like never in my life has it been this dark at 4 30 p.m ever this it's is miserable it's so <laughs> miserable and we're already dealing with that regardless if we were to just base our habits on God's time and not... You keep talking about God's time. Is that a Mississippi thing? <laughs> Maybe it is. It's just, you know, that like when the sky tells you the day has started. I, I've, so I've been reading this book about the history of timekeeping in America. Okay. And before time was like standardized, people had this idea about God's time. It was about the home or like the town. So uh. like... Your town would have a clock, and you would set your home clock on on the town clock, and those were sort of set by the sun. So they would... Oh, wow. So, like, noon, noon was set by the sun, and it was, like, sort of standardized, so, like, it would be the same noon throughout the year or whatever. Like, they chose for the town what the time was going to be, but it was super local. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people thought of it as God's time, and then as railroads were coming around, and they wanted to standardize time zones for the entire United States, there was a lot of pushback because people were like, railroad time is like unnatural. Like it's not, it goes against God's time, which is the home clock or the town clock. Interesting. Yeah, but that's that's what I think of when I think of God's time because I've been reading this book. That pretty much lines up with the way I'm using the phrase. It would not line up with the Flat Earther podcaster that I've been tuning into. Wait, so Flat Earthers talk about God's time? They talk about heliocentrism as a satanic thing. So if you're basing things around the sun, you're going against the Bible. That's interesting. Yeah. Basically, it's aberrating from scripture and leaning on your own Mm. understanding and you're supposed to just accept that we're the center of the universe and the sun is there for us, but we're more important than it because we're like God's thing. But yeah, they, they call people sun worshipers as a pejorative. Crazy. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) <laughs> I do too. Like, I would consider myself a sun worshiper, for sure. Hell yeah. Like, I love the sun. <laughs> do you know that, um, like, 
Velvet Underground song? I don't think so. I'll put it in here in the clip. Okay, cool. It's like, ba 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 ba, who loves the sun? Da 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 da. I've got to listen. Not everyone. <laughs> oh my god, no, I, I can't. I can't wait to show it to you. But um, this is like a teaser because we'll be able to do like a full Flat Earther episode. I would love for you to come back. Yeah, I looked into Flat Earther stuff when I was getting into sundials because okay. the movement of the sun doesn't really check out if the earth is a plane. I looked up some projections of how they think the earth and the sun are, it doesn't. They're really big on disputing our current understanding versus explaining their version of reality. So for example, they'll focus on water being flat and not falling out. Or they'll say, if you take like a tennis ball, it's covered in water and spin it around really fast, the water is gonna go out, not gonna stay together. Or they will say like, oh, if you are laying railroad tracks, bringing us back to railroads, there's no calculation adjustment for the curve of the earth because it's not actually curved. And if it was, our calculations for how we lay railroad tracks would be different. Obviously like the moon landing is fake. Right. And all of our rockets that are launched are going right back down into the Bermuda Triangle yeah. to convince us all that, you know, the the powers that be can maintain their satanic understanding of the world. It's 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 basically, yeah, like very religious and very and I I have a lot of I don't know, res- respect for people that hate authority in a weird way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let them cook. Let them cook. Let them be a little skeptical. Like, what's the worst thing that could happen? Yeah, well... (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. Well, I don't know. I... I don't really want to talk about Trump, but I feel like you start getting into, like... Fake news thing. Yeah, like, fake news things. Like, I just read... Did you read about the trans girl who leaked all of those... The fly list? No. Well, she leaked something else this week. It's her. Oh, my God. But she leaked more. She leaked 1,200 pages of documents of lobbyists and lawmakers emailing back and forth about how to do messaging around trans people related to all these bans and things that they're that they're talking about okay the leaked documents show that it's all manufactured it's very like intentional it's not just like oh i'm like afraid of trans people it's like we need to hit this in the news and this is how we need to like message around this to make these things happen informed probably by psychologists that know how to get the population dopamine addicted to right I'm, i'm a victim I get pulled in so easily, unfortunately. Yeah. And and I get pulled in on both sides. I get pulled in on the D-trans tragedies of people that are like gone through a surgery and regret it and and they've been or, or and obviously there's like a huge big pharma take doctors that encourage this are just using the youth as cash cows to be lifetime patients that they can always make money off of because mm. They know how to make the story. They know how to frame the story in a way that will make my brain go ding, 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 ding. And it feels like whatever conviction you're holding about an issue is like oftentimes planned out in advance by people that know how to frame a story to manipulate. Yeah, I mean like, well, something like about a lot of those detransitioners is that they make a lot of money. 
from telling their story. Yeah, from doing it. And they make a lot of money from right wing. There's a huge financial incentive if you are thinking about that to become like a conservative talking head. There are not actually that many detransitioners. Like it's pretty yeah. uncommon and a lot of the people that do detransition mm-hmm. don't feel that much regret about it. Like they've done studies and most people who do decide that decide for societal reasons. Like they don't feel like they can be supported in that. But yeah. then like the few that, that do decide to write these books and write these articles and go on the news, like they're all making a ton of money from like conservative. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm always going to believe that people are responding to incentives. Yeah. So that can be applied in so many different ways. But here, if you have people that have transitioned. Oh, people here. Oh my God, yeah, let them in, let them in. No, let them in. Okay. Um, We're going to have to like put a pin in this. Hi. Have we met? Daniela. Clean. Clean. Daniela. Did I meet? Did you see him? It was the farmer's market. Let's just talk about the farmer's market. This is like a... A, a podcast about if we if we want to do another episode, I, th- I think we do have like a lot of other things we can talk about. Y'all y'all are welcome to be a part of it. My audience. <laughs>